0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Assistant Pastor Tim Rogers.
1: All right, so the scriptures are up there, um, and we're going to talk about when the path doesn't dictate the destination. All right, all right, we're going to talk about that. So let's read our scriptures first, and then I'll, we're going to jump right in here. So first one is uh, Proverbs 3 so I'm going to go ahead and start reading, so Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path, all right, so I want you to pay attention to the word path as we go through these scriptures, that's the important piece that we want to take away, the path, so let's go over to Psalms 139 and 3, Um, and one Psalms one thirty nine and three says, "You comprehend my path and my laying down." All right. So it's important to know that God knows where you are. All right. He He has a complete understanding of where you are, and more importantly, on what you're going through. Okay. And then over back over to Proverbs to this last one. Let's see. All right, So Proverbs 16 and 9 says, a man, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. Amen. Amen. So as we start talking about this path, uh, one of the things that I believe God has been showing me in this season of my life is, is that sometimes what we dictate and think the path should look like is nothing like it's going to look like. Mm. And that's the reason for the title, because What I was trying to do was trying to dictate based on what I thought the path should look like. I'm asking God, well, there's no way I'm going to get to that destination. How's that going to work? It doesn't make sense in the natural. Uh, So that's the part that he began to show me is, is that you can't look at it from a natural standpoint. All right. So a path in the natural, by definition, is a route to get to a destination. Real simple. Right. But at some point, that path you're going to be going in a certain direction. That makes sense, right? So if, think about it. If you want to go to Florida, there's one direction you have to be at least get to before you get to Florida. You have to go south at some point. <laughs> right? right? I, know, I know it's simple, right? But if I started walking west and I never started going south, am I ever going to hit Florida? No. no. Right? And that's what I was saying to God. God, I'm going west, but I'm supposed to be going south. Come on. And he says, don't worry about that. Stay on the path. Okay. So we have to understand that the path is an important piece because it establishes a framework by which we can reach a pointed destination. It's important. It actually gives us direction when we're on the path. If you're lost in the woods, one of the first things they tell you is try to find a path or a trail. That's right. Why? Because that path or trail is going to lead to civilization. Right. If you're just roaming around in the woods and you're just trying to fake <laughs> it, you're going to be in trouble. And I hope you don't run into any wild animals while you're out there, right? Because then you're going to be in real trouble, right? So it's important because that path is designated for a reason. It gets you to a certain point. But God's paths are supernatural. So sometimes it may look like we're on the wrong path, but we're actually on the right path. Come on. All right? All right? So when you have those questions, I know I had them. Like, God... This path don't add up, man. This doesn't look right to me. And what grew out of that was frustration. So now, not only am I going through the things that I'm going through, now I'm frustrated about them too. Yeah. And I'm double compounding the things that are on my life. As Kelly talked about the things that are inflammation, I had to sit there and do a self-assessment because I have a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so it's amazing that she talked about that because I have problems in my gut, health-wise. And I've tried to do some things through my diet, but it ain't enough yet. Right? So I don't want to be in a position where I have to choose because I didn't make the proper adjustments in my own life. So I have to get more serious about it, but we all have to get more serious about it, whether it's spiritual, natural, or both. So the question is, are we willing to make the adjustments that we need? Come on. Hmm. All right. So as we talk about this, I want to talk about some of the things that if you look at a lot of the individuals in the Bible, their past really didn't dictate where they ended up. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. I was like, dang! I don't know if I thought about it like that. I mean, let's take King David. He ends up being king. Right. But he started out as a little shepherd boy watching the sheep. He was the one that nobody looked after. He was the one that was the short, ruddy one. He wasn't the tall, good looking one like his brothers. When the man of God came, he said, it's got to be one of these men that I'm supposed to anoint that God told me about. Right. It was none of his brothers, but it was him. He battles Goliath. He has all of these other things happening. And then he's the one that ends up king, though. He didn't go to a prominent school. He wasn't part of a prominent family. He didn't have a whole bunch of money. He wasn't around the wealthy. He didn't grow up in the palace. That was what you would think the king would look like at the end. That's That's not it. Let's take Paul. Paul was killing Christians before he met God on Damascus Road, right? Before he got knocked off his high horse, right? That doesn't seem like a man that would end up writing most of the New Testament. That doesn't seem like the right path here, God. But he's the one. Even to our Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah. He was born in a manger. Is, yeah. They called him a suffering Savior. Mm-hmm. He, didn't come, he didn't come to take over the Roman Empire. What all of these people thought he should have been doing. But he was the Savior of the world. Even his path doesn't even reflect the glory that is on his life. On. So God asked me the question, why do you think it would be different for you? Now, that doesn't mean we won't go through anything. That doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily be happy about the things that happen. No. But what I had to get out of my mind was is that this path has to look a certain way. That's what God was trying to break off of me. Because he said, son, it's not going to look like you think. It hasn't for most of the people. That's right. So you're not any different than anybody else. The question is, as we talked about, are we going to still continue to go forward? Through our worship, we were talking about going forward and following the Lord. Are we willing to follow him on that path that looks rocky? Are we willing to follow the path that has the pit in it? That's the question. So when I thought about this, um, one figure in the Bible came to my mind, and that was Joseph. uh, He went through a whole lot before he became second in command to Egypt, right? Um, we, we usually classify them as the four P's, the pit, Potter's house, prison, and the palace, right? The palace being the end spot. But we've heard a lot about him, but I do want to go through his life in those four particular places in a little bit of a different manner. I want to look at him from the standpoint of what it would look like and what it feels like to be in those spots. Because from my personal standpoint over the last year or so, I felt like I was in each one of those. And there's very distinct characteristics about each one of those spots. But in those spots, God also says, there are things I want you to remember. Mm-hmm. And that's the part we have to focus on. Not so much that we're in him, but we got to remember what he says about him. Come on. Yeah. All right. Does that make sense? So we're going to go through the four representations and then what we need to remember in them. All right. And then we're going to get out of here. Does That sound good. good. All right. Let's go. Let's go over to uh, Genesis 37. Genesis 37, 23 through 24. I am not going to read all of what takes place in these events, but I will read a portion of them just so that we get uh, a clear understanding of how he ended up in those particular predicaments. And then from there, I'll expound on kind of what happens and, and some things that lead into that as well, all right? So uh, Genesis thirty-seven and twenty-three. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, turn, uh, the tunic of many colors that he had that was that was his. Then he took him and cast him into the pit. Now what's interesting is, is this next sentence: "And the pit was empty; there was no water in it. There was no water in it." Okay, so let's go through this first one. Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh. What happened? I broke it. There wasn't no water. (laughs) Oh, okay. There we go. All right. All right. Pit. I did (laughs) this time. I normally don't, but I did this time. All right. So it represents the pit. Represents a, uh, a position where you can see your way out, but you can't get out. But what we should remember is don't discriminate on how God wants to deliver you. OK, so let me let me talk about this a little bit. It says um, 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Right. So this scripture is talking about Paul when he had um, some elements in his flesh. And the scriptures tell us that he began to ask the Lord to remove it. He asked him three times to do it. Right. And then afterwards, God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. Right. So basically what God is saying is, is that I'm not going to actually remove it. But what I am going to teach you is, is how to walk in my strength and not your strength. That that was his answer. Now, it sounds great on the surface because we get to read it. (laughs) But if God came to you and said, you know what, I'm not actually going to get you out of that. I'm just going to let you stay there but I'm going to tell you that my grace is sufficient. Is that the answer you're looking for? Uh, Probably not, right? So I don't think it would be any different for Paul either. I know he wanted it to be removed, but God said, no, I'm going to leave it there for my grace is sufficient. So now let's go over to Joseph in this pit. So what the pit represented to me was a place of no resources, So this is a a place where you know some things that you may be able to make a situation better, but you don't have the resources to do it. Because you're in a pit, you're relying on somebody else to come get you. You can't climb out. You need a ladder, chain, rope, something, right? You're not just going to jump out of a pit. So, But you can see everything that's on the outside, and you know that's where you should be going, but you can't get to it. That's a very frustrating place to be in. But it's a place that probably many of us has been in. But God wants us to remember that when he sends the deliverance, not to turn our nose up on how he delivers us. Right. Now, the reason why that's important is because how did Joseph get out of that pit? Ah, right. So if we read the scriptures. He tells us, well, first of all, I got, I got to put this in here, though, because this is pretty bold. So after his brothers throw him in the pit, if you read, <laughs> it says they were having a meal. On the outside. Yep. Now, now, this is a trip. You done thrown your brother in the pit, and then you're going to eat right in front of him. Right. He, ain't get they ain't, he ain't getting nothing. They ain't offering him nothing. They just, yeah. That's pretty bold, but that's how sometimes we feel. There are people on the outside of the pit that are walking right around it, and they see you in it, but they don't help you. Yeah. Come on now. It can feel like that sometimes. They just, they just walked right around they took the detour didn't try to help you didn't speak to you didn't throw your line didn't do anything that's what his brothers did they just left him there now what was interesting is, is that when they helped him was it was because they sold him Right. they sold him into slavery Right. so again just like we talked about with Paul Joseph I'm sure was like Lord I know you're going to get me out of here but I, no that's not the deliverance I was looking for <laughs> You're going to sell. I'm going to be sold to into slavery. That's how you decide to deliver me, Lord. But that is actually how he got out. So but it was part of the path. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now going back to that path, we have to understand is, is that that wouldn't have been what he would have thought after he had all of those marvelous dreams about what he saw and what oh, God showed on, him, that's right, that's that he right. would be sold. Yeah. Lord, I know you can find a better way to deliver me than than selling me into slavery. So it's important for us to see the same thing. Sometimes our deliverance ain't going to come the way we think. And if we're unfortunate enough to discriminate against how God wants to deliver us, we might miss the path. Because when we talk about those plans, when we have the A to Z and the 1 to 100 and the the double A's and the triple B's, what those are are our plans on how we want to be delivered. Not necessarily on how God wants to deliver us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Does that make sense? It's So God wants us to see I'll do it the way I need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's
1: good. And sometimes that's not going to be comfortable. In this situation, it actually got worse. Amen. All right. All right. The next one, Potiphar's house. Let's go to uh, Genesis thirty nine. Five through seven. And it reads, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer. All right. So let me catch it up real quick. So at this point, Joseph has been sold. But now he's been sold again, basically. Right now he's in Potiphar's house. He's been there. The Lord talks about the scriptures talk about that the Lord is with him. And he has prospered him. So this is where we're catching up to. So this is where he's already in the house. And it says at this time, he was made an overseer of his house and all that he had. That the Lord blessed the uh, Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Isn't it amazing that God can bless somebody else for your sake?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Sometimes we don't look at that as a blessing, but it really is. Wouldn't it be awesome to say God said, yeah, I blessed him because you were there. But sometimes we complain to God where we are, though. And the blessing of the Lord was all that he had in his house and the field. So not only was Joseph over his house, he was over his field. Right. Thus, he left all that he had to Joseph's hand and did not know uh, what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now this, this, I was trying to figure out, I said, "God, what do you mean? So basically this man left him everything. The only thing that Potiphar was concerned with was him eating. There was no affair in his whole house that Joseph wasn't over. So you got to see the real picture here. He wasn't a maid. He wasn't a butler. He was an overseer. Nothing happened at that house that Joseph didn't have a hand in. That's pretty awesome. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife came uh, on, casting man. longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> so the next one is Potiphar's house it represents a place, a position where it looks good from the outside, but there's chaos in the inside. But God wants us to remember, don't allow the, the present chaos to deteriorate your character. Okay, So this is a different little spot. You go from having no resources to having a whole lot now. Because Joseph had everything he needed. There there wasn't nothing that he didn't have a hand in. Which means that every resource that he could have ever needed for whatever situation was his. And on top of that, he can make the decision to do it. But the problem was, now he's got the woman chasing him. Now the Bible talks about that she um, asked him day after day to be with him. Right, this one wasn't playing. But it can be the same way for us that if we're in certain situations and somebody asks us to do something that is immoral or to tell lies to get around a certain situation or to look at a certain vantage point because that way maybe we can skew the numbers a little bit. This is the same type of situation. So we can be in this too. But the problem is is that we have to ensure that we don't let our character deteriorate. Because God is saying you have to maintain that. Joseph even goes to him and says, why would I do this? This wicked act and sin against my God. He was straight up with her. No way am I going to do this. But look how easy it would have been for him to do it. Now, I don't know exactly what Potiphar's wife would have done after if he had done it. But who knows? Maybe she wouldn't have said anything. So that lets you know that he had to truly make a choice to continue to follow God. Because that's what the path dictated. And God is saying that, are we willing to let our character stand up no matter what somebody asks you to do? No matter what somebody asks you to uh, overlook or to accidentally forget or to lose an email or don't remember a meeting or Uh don't take that note or don't remind them of what they said. All of these things we are bombarded with from day in and day out, especially if you work in corporate America. There is no integrity at all as it relates to some things. It's all about how can I get ahead? Ah. Look at this scripture here. Proverbs 2 and 7 says, The righteous man man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Wait a minute. So God is saying that if we walk in integrity, our children will be blessed because of our integrity. Come on. How many people knew that was a blessing? So God is saying, maintain that integrity no matter what. Because not only is it going to benefit you, it's going to benefit your children. Yeah. What a blessing to leave to them that they, just because you did, they get. Just same way Jesus, we get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven because of what he did. Wow, isn't that awesome? that we can instill a blessing to our children based on our own integrity. (laughs) Integrity, integrity. So don't let your character deteriorate when you're in those type of situations. Amen? All right, y'all ready for the next one? Let's go. All right, Genesis 39 and 19. All right, so it was when uh, when his master had heard the words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, in the place where the king's prisoners was confined. All right. So at this point, this is after he tells her no. He goes in there. She goes into a room. She tries to get him and he runs. She grabs his coat. Right. And then he runs out. And after that, then she turns, she flips the script on him and says that he was trying to do something to her. Right. right. Okay, so all right, so so the next one is the prison. Represents a position where it's low visibility and no escape. But God wants you to remember: don't allow your mind to tell you that justice won't be fulfilled. Wow! All right, so when you're in a prison now, now the first thing I want to say here though is, is that this is not a prison from today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I don't mean this in any more disrespectful way, but the prisons today, some of them are pretty, uh, you know, they got air conditioning. They got, you know, TVs and libraries and weight rooms. We're not talking about a prison like that. We're talking about a dark and dank and secluded type of place. Right. Where all you have is your thoughts, your solitude and wondering what did you do to end up here? Joseph didn't deserve to be there. So this is not about what he deserved. I'm sure he was thinking, "Ah, there's no way. God, that dream you showed me, there is no way that's going to happen. I mean, look at my past so far. Does that dictate that I'm going to have someone bowing before me? I'm in prison. But I wonder how many of us are asking the same question. God, I know you showed me that dream but it doesn't look like I'm moving toward it. Uh, I know you said this was going to happen, but I don't really feel it right now. God, I know that you are promising you can't lie, but this just isn't adding up for me. This is a whole lot harder than I thought it would ever be. You're in a prison. and In this case, you can't get out now. There's no way you're getting out unless you're pardoned. That's what happened to Joseph. He got pardoned, right? Go Isaiah 30 and 18, uh, the b clause says, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So now, there are a lot of really good things in that scripture. One is is that justice will come. But the other thing is, is that you're blessed, but you do have to wait on him. And waiting sometimes can be very difficult, especially when you're going through something that ain't feeling real good to your flesh. Over in James, it talks about let patience work is perfect work, right? Right. And we've been told not to pray that prayer and I don't. <laughs> However, God is still saying we do need some at some time. right? Now we know what happens. Joseph is in there um, and then the butler and the baker was in there with him, right? I always get them backwards, right? So they ended up having the dreams on the same day, right? Joseph talks to him and says, you know, who interprets dreams but God? I'm paraphrasing. Okay? But he says I can help you with that. right? So he tells them the two interpretations. One is going to get out, the butler. The other one is not going to fare so well. He's going to lose his life. That's the baker, right? But there was one thing that he asked the butler, to do for him. And he said, when you are restored, please remember me before oh, your king. Now, the Bible is very specific at this point. He said he had to wait two years.
0: <laughs> two
1: years. Two years. In a prison that he didn't deserve. In a prison where nobody cared for him. In a prison where he couldn't see his way out. In a prison that all he had to think about all the time was, how am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? But the great thing was is that God was with him. Come on. But he didn't deserve it. I'm sure he was in there thinking, I'm not going to get any justice here. How's justice going to come from me? I can't even fend for myself because of where I'm at. Yeah. Wow. He doesn't even have a seat before the king. How's he going to get there? But two years later, the butler finally gets it right. He keeps his word. (laughs) But he was forgotten up to that point. Have you ever been in a prison and you thought somebody forgot about you? Nobody came to visit. Nobody called. You were just there. And sometimes it can be projected on yourself. So Maybe sometimes people were, but you didn't see it that way. Because this is both ways, oh, is is right? We can't always put the onus on everybody else. Sometimes right. it's just how we look at it. That's right. So if we feel like nobody reached out to us, that somebody forgot about me, how does that feel? I'm sure it can't feel great. But God wants us to remember that justice is on His way. Praise but we have to stay with him. And we have to be willing to stay on the path. Because if you don't, then all you're doing is diverting the inedible. Because the great thing about a path is, when you're on a path, most of the time you're not lost. You may not be where you want to be at, but you're not lost. If you're not on a path at all, then you are lost. You can't find your way out, and more importantly, nobody can find you. How are they going to find you if you deviate from where you're supposed to be at? Now, it was one of the reasons why I picked this background here. I'm not sure if you can tell, but this is a desert. It's got little footprints on it. And I started thinking about, wait a minute. That's a path right there in that sand. Now, how many people are actually going to follow that footprint to see where it leads? I'm telling you, it lined up completely. The Holy Ghost is so great. Because we were talking about moving forward, and God is saying, what ends up I tell you when you move forward, there's a pit and a palace and a prison waiting for you? Are you going to continue to move forward then? Because at the end, though, is the dream manifested. So, the last one is the palace. That one's um, on. Um, the palace represents the position where the dream is manifested. But God wants you to remember the manifested dream isn't only for your benefit. Okay. So, here is where everything that you've gone through comes to fruition. God says, whatever that thing is that you saw, it's here. And it can be a wonderful and gratifying experience, and I hope that it is for all of us. But God wants us to remember that that dream is just not for you. And that in that dream, we have to make sure that selfishness doesn't rise up, that it's all about me and what I did. And the reason I know that is, is that I had to really think about, well, God, going back to the dream, that Joseph had and where he ended up, what was really the purpose of that? So when he gets to this palace, right, what ends up happening? Pharaoh ends up having a dream, right? Joseph interprets it. He tells him there's going to be seven years of good years and then seven years of famine, right? And he puts Joseph over everything that the kingdom has. But during that seven years of famine, guess what? His family was over there somewhere. And his brothers were sent to go inquire in Egypt because they were the only ones that had the resources that they needed. And that's where he gets reunited with his family. So the dream really wasn't about anybody bowing to him, even though that's what he saw. And it did happen just like God said it would. But the dream manifested was about saving a nation. God is saying your dream is about saving a nation. It's about somebody else that's going to need it. That you're going to be in the right place at the right time with the right resources. Woo! That it's about that. That's more important than even what you're going to get. That's right. Because if that dream isn't manifested, then somebody else doesn't get what they need. So we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on the biggest part yeah. of it. And God is saying, I'm too big for this just to be about you. Boy, oh boy. That's right. Wow. But that should bless our souls because he saved a whole nation. They brought, he brought his whole family and everybody else that was there through yeah. one man. Yeah. Yeah. They were able to live through that famine, whereas they would have died before, but now they won't. Yeah. Because God set up a man that he was in the position that he needed to be. But he had to follow a very difficult path to Come get on. there. Yeah. Are we willing to follow a difficult path to save a nation? Yeah. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to remember these things that God is saying in these things? Because we're going to go through some of them, maybe not all of them. But I know for me, I have felt like I've been in each one of those spots. Amen. And to be honest, I, I wasn't real happy about it. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, what I perceived to be hurt, because I didn't understand. I'm like, God, this ain't it, man. Like, what's going on? And this is when this message really hit home for me. I hope that you were blessed by it because it it was more than just a message for me. I had to look at my own life because this is where I'm at. There are so many things that I thought were going to happen over the last several years. And it seemed like everything that possibly could go wrong did. From losing jobs to being hurt in my body like I haven't been in in a while. To family passing away to people. It it just kept coming. And I'm like, God, are are you serious right now? It didn't make any sense to me. But I will tell you that God is awesome. Because he didn't leave me there. And because I asked and I seeked his face for it, he showed me this. So I know now that there's a nation somewhere. And in every place, there's gonna be somebody that you're gonna help. Talk about it. There's gonna be somebody that you can encourage. There's somebody that you can give a word. There's somebody that you can lend a helping hand to. There's somebody that's just going to need you in every one of those spots. So we have to focus on what God wants us to remember because we can't, we got to stop the talking sometimes. And I, I will tell you, for me, get the cry out, but keep moving.
0: We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.